Welcome to A Gamer's Story. I'm Noah Geekus, avid fan of gaming and gamers alike. Each episode will feature in-depth conversations with gamers from all areas of gaming. Have you ever wondered about the actual gamers themselves? Their motivations? Their home lives? Their quirks? Just how much time they actually spend gaming? And their thoughts on the future of gaming itself? Join me as I ask them just these questions. Are you ready? I'm very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode of A Gamer Story. Cultural historian, writer, and of course, gamer, Nico Penjin. Nico is here today to talk about how he got his start in gaming. And his book series called Bate and its cultural meaning and history. Let's get started. Nico, thank you so much for being on our podcast. And um, so I'm here with my guest, uh, Nico Penjin, and it's so exciting. He's um, writing a comic called Beatty, and I'll let him talk about it a little bit. <laughs> thank you for inviting me, Noah, to a gamer's story. Uh, once again, the opportunity and for rescheduling, everything's within the scope. Mm-hmm. As for the comic, I'm a, I'm a, the comic is called... It's spelled B-A-T-E-Y, but it's pronounced Bate, and it's regarding essentially a series that I decided to create back in 2020, um, the Bate series, because I was watching this movie called Alita Battle Angel, and when I was watching that movie, it literally made me think that my heritage is Dominican, so in the Dominican Republic, there used to be Indians called Tainos. And they used to play this sport. It's almost like hacky sack where all you do is you you play with this ball and you use every body part except your hands to keep it in the air. And whoever drops it pretty much loses. So I decided to create this fictitious sport called Bate where they do that but in like outer space where they have like jet boots and they're like floating in the air essentially playing like hacky sack with like jet boots and they're like bouncing in the air and they're trying to like knock the ball into a hoop and uh, when I was watching that movie that idea just like spurred me on into the moment and as I was writing I was like you know if I was a kid and I wanted to read this I would want to not only just read it like word for word but I would also want to like have some visuals attached to it and that's why I decided to like actually make it into an actual like comic and I was like, hey, I could be the main character of my own series. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I definitely feel that. That's part of the reason why I enjoy being a podcaster. Uh, I get to be there. It's, I don't, I'm not just on the sidelines watching or like I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm interviewing the people, actually. And it's just a ton of fun. By the way, uh, would you like go, to go by your gamer tag or your um, real name? I always prefer going by my gamer tag because I've always been playing video games like almost feels like all my life, maybe 15, 20 years already that I've been playing. And I've always tried to go with that name. And that name actually came about because I used to always have like so much energy and I always used to get in trouble doing a lot of stupid stuff um, just because I couldn't sit still. And then this guy, he he told me like, hey, you know, instead of just using your energy for like dumb stuff, like why don't you just start using your energy for sports or for like, you know, even video games, but don't just do stupid stuff. And from that moment on, I started to think like, yo, that would be so true. Like if I use my energy and my mind um, creatively or to just focus on playing a game, 
Like I might be actually good at games or I might actually be good at sports. And that just that little piece of advice was so inspirational that when I went on to this game called Club Penguin back in the day, back when Candy Stand and MiniClip.com were like the only places on the Internet to play any video games. Me and my sister, when we went on there and we were trying to create our gamer tags and stuff like that, I wasn't really a good speller. So I was like, OK, let me get this guy a shout out because his first name was Nicholas. I was like, let me give him a shout out and let me try to spell Penguin. And I didn't know how to spell Penguin. <laughs> so <laughs> my my gamer tag stuck just Nico and P-E-N-G-I-N, which I say Penguin, but I don't know how to pronounce it type of thing. <laughs> yeah. I just know that I was trying to spell Penguin. It didn't come through. So Nico Penguin's been my, my gamer tag, and I u- decided to use that also as my pen name only because it, w- it only made sense after so long of using that gamer tag across, like, PlayStation, Nintendo, uh, across Steam, on the on Windows PC, across like all gamer platforms, I always use Nico Penguin. So I was like, you know what? I might if I'm I'm about to publish a book. I'm about to start taking this author's thing a little bit more serious. Might as well continue that Nico Penguin name into my reading and in, into my writing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I miss Club Penguin. That was um, definitely a big part of my childhood. Me and my sister used to play. But uh, <laughs> it's interesting that you kept that. And I'm glad that you told me about that because I think that it's always good to know, like, the backstory of names and stuff. Mm-hmm. A past interview, there was a guy who basically had a website called The Dot Eaters, and he explained that it was, like, a term that they, that they used, like, to describe, like, the Pac-Man and then as a dot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. It, it just... He spun out into other games, so I, and I found I found that really cool, and um, some other interviews that I've had have have had the same like cool name. So I always I always find it interesting when people tell me like the name of their like their company or YouTube channel or their like their website or just their own gamer tag or something like that because I always love seeing if there's like a backstory behind it and what that mm-hmm. is, and it always ends up being mm-hmm. no matter if it's like if it's boring or not. I always find it interesting in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, in addition to being a gamer, you're a writer and a comic creator. So, um, Mm -hmm. what types of games do you like to play? So, when I was growing up, I used to always play um, pretty much everything. But mainly, I loved playing, like, strategy games, like Age of Empires. That was one of my super nerdiest kind of games because I used to love, you know, chess. But with Age of Empires, not only do you have to manage, like, your your military you also have to manage the upstarts you have to manage the villagers make sure that they're gathering food gathering wood gathering stone gathering gold you got to manage building walls building a, a town hall building all these things and then as i kept growing then i transitioned into um when the iphone came out and then the iphone games came out oh man i used to have a blast with with one of my co-hosts for my one of my podcasts Fred, we used to play this game called Gum Bros. Man, that game was so fun because you could play a two-people top-down shooter and you would just be taking out like a whole bunch of zombies and stuff like that. And then same with, uh, there was a game called Modern Combat, which was very similar to Call of Duty, but on the phone. And we would play that for so many hours. And then there was another game called Order and Chaos, which was an MMORPG. And that game, it felt like World of Warcraft. But it was on the iPhone, and we would play, like, almost, like, 
40 hours like a week just like almost every night we would just stay up for like from 7 p.m. up to like 7 a.m. and then go to school and then just be like, oh man, we just pulled an all nighter, but we raided, <laughs> we raided, <laughs> we raided. And then when we, when we transferred over to having gaming PCs, there's a game called Path of Exile, which again is just one of them grinding games where you just have to consistently grind because if you don't, you're not going to get enough uh, of a character development to go to the next level because there's certain games where you have to have a high enough level or have to have enough you know mana health attacks techniques um in order to beat the boss and if you don't then you just got to keep grinding keep grinding keep grinding and then it sucks sometimes because if you die then you lose your items so then it just continuously pushes you along 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 I was very bad at first-person shooters, so I, I didn't really dive too much into that. So I just focused on, like, the other stuff. And then once I got into League of Legends, that's honestly where, like, uh, League of Legends and Destiny and Warframe honestly were the games that I I think I spent the most time in all three of them because the games were just so fun. And, like, even now, League, I can't put League down. Like, I got to play League maybe, like, once or twice a week even though I have a busy schedule. It is just such a fun, fun game. And like I love playing that game and all of those different game modes. Like there's so many games that I've played so much and that I wish I had so much time in order to just like always keep playing them because oh it's so fun. Yeah, oh my god, mobile games. That reminds me of like a ton of mobile games from my childhood, like Jetpack Joyride. That was a big one for me. Mm. And I used to play all these uh, resource farming games where you would like use them on like dragons or like things. Oh, like Farmville type of thing? Yeah, yeah. So like you have dragons in your like town or your yeah. area in your island that's what it was mm-hmm. and then basically you would you would level them up using food yeah yeah Farm. i played that a little bit a yeah, dragon yeah. city i believe it's called and another game called monster legends i believe and those were two those are two just the games that i would literally just go back to every day and just grind on so hard i just hated that i just hated on those games that it would like after a certain level, you would have to wait like two or three days waiting for the eggs to hatch to yeah. see what kind of a dragon you got. And it's like, man, like I want to spend so much money to just get these <laughs> gems to be able to speed this up. Because like, come on, man, I want to know what kind of dragon. Is it a rare one? Is it an ordinary one? Like, come on, I need to know right now. That's very true. That is definitely true. And then what's popular in my school is like games like Clash Royale or like Clash of Oh, I used to love Clash Clash Royale. I hated I hated the other one because the other one I just didn't like the fact that every time that you somebody came and raided you, if you didn't go in there and fix everything up, like it would continuously happen and it would just make me rage because it's like Yo, are you kidding me? Like, I'm getting raided every day. Like, every day I'm getting raided. That means every day I got to go back in and replenish everything. I got to replenish my defense troops. I got to pay money for the wall. And if I don't have money for it, then I got to buy some troops to then go out and raid somebody to then come in and then fix everything just so that way it doesn't happen versus on Clash Royale. It's always automatic. They always automatically restock you. And I, I remember I used to develop it so much. And I used to look up on Google like, hey, what's the best strategy? Or what's the what's the best defensive layout? So that way I can leave it and it's guaranteed that nobody's going to be able to penetrate my walls and stuff like that. And for um, for some time, it would work. But then once you get up to that higher level, 
then you got people that either spend a lot more time or a lot more money than you, and they definitely can take out your village and stuff like that. It's it's fun. I love those kind of games. Yeah, absolutely. Personally, I play Clash Royale, but not Clash of Clans. But still, like all of those are like big in my school. It, to, in my school, like what games you play matters a lot and stuff, and like every oh, for video real? games. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun actually, but beyond that, I do just enjoy playing like games on my new PS5. I got the Spider Man's Destiny Two is currently downloading. Um, playing Rocket mm. League, and um, a few other games. Like I got the new Crash Bandicoot game. I just enjoy gaming a lot, and I do it often. So, <laughs> so what drew you to gaming? Honestly, gaming is one of those few things that. Regardless of your skill level, you can actually have fun with it. It's very different in other aspects of your life where if you're not good at something, you might not have fun with it. A lot of people get frustrated, let's say, when they try to play a sport and they're just not good. And if they can't do good, they're not for it. Or if they're not good actors, they're not going to like theater and stuff like that. Or even people that if they're not if they don't know how to read too well they don't enjoy reading type of thing with gaming it's a, I feel like it's a little bit different because even in certain games where you might not necessarily be good at you can still have fun with like say for example first person shooters I'm not really good at first person shooters but if I play with some friends and whatnot like I still enjoy myself. Or if I play Rocket League and I'm absolute trash, I can't make a goal or anything. I still have fun just, you know, trying to play the concept of a car with the soccer. You know, that's that's so fun. Um, or, or like adventure games that allow you to get lost in a whole different, in somebody else's imagination. You know, Fate was one of the first games that I used to like really look at. And Fate was this computer game from Wild Tangent that whenever I would go into like Walmart or a Sam's Club, I would just go up to the electronics on the laptops and I would just pull up the game or whatever. And then as I pull up uh, the game section on those devices, Fate was one of them. And I remember I used to just like create fake accounts and then just play the game while my parents were shopping. I would, you know, two, three hours of their shopping and I would just be playing like, you know, starting from level one up to like level 20 by the time it was time to leave. And I would just do that on a continuous basis. And I realized like, wow, somebody created that idea and that story and that. And I'm I'm imagining myself as this main character into that storyline and from those moments adventure games became like a huge thing to me because it was like i'm living into somebody else's fantasy that they created with my own character same with like uh when you're doing like 5v5 and anything whether it's online gaming like basketball or somewhere else it's the fact that someone's imagination is at work and you get to be a part of it for a specific period of time. And if you can do that, whether you're good at it or whether you're the last one, the last one on the team, even if you're racing Mario Kart and you're dead last every time, like it's still fun, even though I'm not coming dead last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most definitely. I think that when it comes when it comes down to it, gaming is just all about like fun and just um, mm -hmm. enjoying yourself. And then yeah. when you do that, it's it's just 
fulfilling no matter whether you're good or bad. And that's definitely mm-hmm. definitely happened to me where I've come across a game where I'm absolutely garbage. I mean, I'm not the best at Rocket League or, or as you said, first-person shooters, but um, I do always enjoy myself, especially when I'm playing with my friends. So, And I think that's the most important part because if you're having fun, then the game did its part. The game is just there to let you have your fun. And when you find a specific genre that you're really in tune with and you find a specific game, then it's like a whole different sensation because now you know, okay, if every time I play a game, it's something around this genre, um, I know I'm going to have fun. Oh, yeah. And then if you find a specific one, then you're like, this is my favorite game right here because this one is the one where I can put an hour in and I blink and it just an hour left and I had so much fun. I didn't even notice that so much time went by, whether you're good or bad. It's like, wow. You know, like I remember uh, there was a game that it was like a puzzle-like game and I was stuck and I just kept trying and I kept failing, but I had so much fun just continuously trying to figure out the game. Like, how do I get to the next level? And like an hour went by and I was like, wow, I didn't even realize I spent an hour just trying to figure out how to go to the next level. Like, I just had so much fun just being stuck and losing continuously over and over. Yeah, um, not trying to hop around here, but, like, I went to the arcade yesterday, actually. And we got there, and and my dad was like, all right, we're going to be doing this for an hour. So he paid the cashier, and we played, like, a few games of Street Fighter here, uh, air hockey game there, pinball here, and it was, like, 40 minutes already. And I was like, what? That that was 10 minutes, though. That was 40 minutes. You, you are lying to me. <laughs> and, and we and we left, like, what felt like five minutes later. I felt like I spent, like, 15 minutes of my score in that store. And my dad, my dad, he calls it the fastest hour ever because mm-hmm. that's what it is. You walk in there and you feel like time literally flies. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and that, that definitely happens with games that you enjoy. Like, one of my, my mm-hmm. favorite games ever is the Spider-Man game for the PS4 slash PS5. Mm-hmm. And... I could spend just hours just sitting there playing that game. And and the sequel, like, I literally did. I finished the game in, like, one sitting. I just sat there, and I just played it for so long, and I just enjoyed the whole thing. It was just so much fun. With that being said, let's move on. So how did you decide on the characters in your comic? So the characters come from the ebook, um, and those derived, honestly, when I was creating the story, I just thought... It would be so cool if I was capable of not only taking my gamer name and creating a persona for the story and just imbuing my characteristics as a person into who this character is. But then I started to think, like, if it's a if it's a team sport, then I need to have teammates. And in order to have teammates, you want to have people that you trust, love and care about. And those are usually going to be your closest friends and allies. And then same with your enemies, you know, you want to have your enemies be the individuals that either you hate or the individuals that in a specific period of time just aren't on your team. Which, again, if you are in a sport oriented mindset, you can you can love somebody, but they're just not on your team. It's like, I don't know about you, but sometimes when um, our family has like a game night or stuff like that, it's every man for themselves. Like when we play Smash Bros., 
when we play, you know what I'm saying? When we play Mario Kart, it's every man for themselves. We can have the same last name, but once once that Nintendo says start or go, it's every man for themselves, you know? And so when I went into the mindset of creating characters, I was like, okay, I want the closest individuals to me to be on my side. Uh, so like Chili Girl, for example, she... She's my sister because when we did Club Penguin, she would uh, do her persona or her gamer tag was Chili Girl. So in the story, I have my teammate named Chili. She represents Chili Girl, a.k.a. my sister. And then I have A.B., Absolute Black. He's one of my closest friends in real life as well. And it's because uh, we used to always uh, call him A.B. or Black and I was like, oh, I could just attribute that to, you know, this character. Then I had another character in the comic called IND23. Another one of my closest friends, his gamer tag is Indestructible23 on the PlayStation Network. And I was like, okay, this is going to be so easy. And I just kept going down the list of my teammates, where I got their nickname from. And then same with the enemies. Like the enemy, the main antagonist of the uh, the current chapter, Fred RTG, for the Batay um, Ascending book and for the Batay series, or for at least for the first arc, uh, Fred RTG is literally one of my closest friends. But we always fight all the time, like so much that it only, for me personally, it only made it right that he. He's like one of the first villain slash boss fights because we're always constantly fighting and arguing, even though we've played Gun Bros and we played uh, League of Legends so much. But we've also done like 1v1s to see like, okay, who plays this game a little bit better. So that way you're attack mode or I'm support or, you know, you're at this rank or I'm at this rank. And it made me go, okay, I need to have that kind of character not be on my team. I need to have him be like the captain of his own squad face my squad so that way we can see who comes out on top and so the characters were just literally the closest people to me and i just just started picking and choosing them apart and just adding them to the story throwing in some little artistic creative magic uh you know giving some you know some either enhancements or disabilities just to even out the story make it a little bit intriguing I, I think that's really, really smart. Uh, obviously, you know the people around you the best, so that would be mm-hmm. the easiest way to attribute them to, to a story and, and make characters. Yeah. Uh, and I find it interesting that you use um, your sister's username and, and your friend's usernames. And, and actually, like, IND23, right? That actually could fit mm-hmm. in, like, a space setting, and I think that's actually, like, super cool the way you did that. Yeah. That's just awesome. So how did you get it published? So I went the self-publishing route because I did my research and it would have taken like forever for me to try to go and sell the idea to the publishers. But I also like the fact that ownership, I like to be in control of the story. And since I'm still, I still don't think I have everything figured out to T. So it allows me to consistently and continuously learn every day and every day I can just get a little bit better. I don't have to be good enough right now. It's just like grinding on Path of Exiles or in any game, honestly. I just get a little bit better every day. The more time I put into it, the little bit I get 
better. It's just like with you with podcasting. Every time you do it, you just get a little bit better to the point where who knows in five years down the road how much better you're going to be. Same with the comic and the books and the audio books and everything that I've done so far. I decided to go self-published only because I want to be in control. And I'd rather go the route of me improving and, you know, just getting the basics of, okay, how do you publish? Okay, let me do a quick Google search. Okay, this is how you publish. Okay, and then what else do you do? And then what else do you do? And the more that I've done that, honestly, the more fun I've been having. And it's like, yo, this is almost as fun as playing video games. <laughs> yeah, makes a ton of sense. And uh, I think that you doing your own thing allows you to have a little more control over what happens and what you want to keep and leave out of the story and who you think mm-hmm. you're marketing to. and. And I think that that's important a lot of times. And I think that, I mean, if you if you work on it really hard and you understand it well, mm-hmm. then that can be even better than getting somebody else to publish it. Exactly. You know, honing your own skills and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like if I went self-publishing, it's like I, I went like as hard as possible, almost like on 2K when you go like uh, Hall of Fame mode versus you going um, to somebody else and letting them publish it for you and letting them do all the work kind of thing for you. It's almost like the pay to win way where it's like you got to pay in order to get like the highest amount of tokens. The only difference is, is in getting into that opportunity is such a crucial and, and just so hard to do that a lot of people can't even get to that level And instead of me, like, working my butt off to get, you know, just a pitch and an idea across, I was like, nah, like, I think I'd rather just go at it alone if I need to or at least gather a few of my friends to help me get this story out there, get this comic out there to let other people see what I got going on. And if they like it, there's going to be more to come of, you know. Yeah. And so in creating Batay. I understand that the character and sport are based on the Taino culture. Uh, could you discuss mm-hmm. this a little bit more? Yeah, so the Tainos, they had this uh, they had this amazing culture, but uh, they had this specific event called the Batay game where it was such a it was it's such an integral piece of their culture because of the game it was almost like you could do a lot of things with the game. You could almost have like a sentencing based off of the game. You know, if people disagreed on something, it could be you could use the game to determine the outcome. You know, you could use it to determine warfare. You could use it just in celebration. Like it was that kind of a integral part to their culture. Like I was saying, like think of the fact that if you play like hacky sack with like five V five of your family members, your cousins, every time you were in like some sort of like let's say in Thanksgiving, you know, you got like twenty of your cousins and then you separate into four teams of five each and everybody's like playing this hacky sack game and whoever wins, let's say gets their the biggest slices of turkey or something like that. Like, that was the essence of the Batay game, um, but not just for family get-togethers, but also for, like, if you're trying to get out a speeding ticket or something like that. Like, hey, let's do a 5v5 because I don't really want to pay this speeding ticket or insert whatever here. And the fact that they used to do that for a lot of things was was like so mind opening when I started to research that like wow like these people actually base like you know their livelihood on a game 
<laughs> like, what? Like, as a gamer, it's just like, ooh. Think about it like, yo, would you play a game for, like, your freedom? Or would you pay? A, would you play a game for, like, you know, more, more, uh, more income? Like, oh, if you beat this guy, you get more monthly income. Or it's like, what? Like, oh, that sounds tempting. But then if you lose, then you lose all your current income. And it's like... That's Ooh. a risk that oh, I, may don't, not I don't know. Make. Right? But then these people, these Taino people, they would do that willingly. Like, they would be like, yes, that's something I'm willing to do. And then if they won, then of course, you know, their life was good. But then if they lost, you better be good at good. sports. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so when I was researching and learning all of this about the, uh, the culture of the Tainos and how important this game was, I was like, wow, that is so beautiful. Very, very not beautiful if you're on the losing end. But still, nonetheless, the fact that they had this culture where that was a risk that some people were actually willing to take just gave me that inspiration of like, okay, I need to put this into some sort of a book. I need to, I, but I need to jazz it up a little bit because no one's going to really be looking at it like that. But then if you're, if you think about the fact that we're going through the space race and everybody's thinking about the future, living on Mars and all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, like within maybe a hundred, 200 years, the technology might be there literally to convert this has been sport idea into an actual literal sport where the fact that you can be floating in air in an anti-gravity field actually pushing along this ball magnetic metal whatever you'd be pushing this ball trying to get it into a hoop 5v5 and a huge stadium like looking at all these amazing stadiums around the world that can host you know 70 80,000 people if you had like a coliseum kind of idea like that and put this kind of futuristic sport in there that's my mindset, uh, but it, it stemmed just originally from the culture that the Tainos had just from playing the Bate game. Yeah, that definitely seems interesting. And I feel like not only would the prospect of playing a game for like for, for like for the things like speeding tickets and like income would be like interesting. Not only would that be like interesting, the fact that you added like space into the mix and the, it, it, that just makes it like awesome incredible right that concept can go like really far right i'm like oh like oh my god this is amazing yeah it's definitely really interesting and i'm sure most people have never even heard of this and it's just good it's good to know these kinds of things and like i think that it's going to be that it's a really good idea for a series so do you think that playing video games is helpful in any way or any other aspect of your life oh for sure I actually have an article where it describes how video games have been so instrumental in me being who I am, not only in the fact that video games have taught me so many skills, but also I have learned how to transfer those skills into something else, such as Age of Empires is a really useful time management enhancement game where if you're very bad at managing your time, or managing your priorities, you're not going to be too good at the game. But as you play the game, you actually get better at managing your time to the point where the best players in the game are people who have the best time management because they're able to learn how to prioritize what needs to be done. You prioritize, you know, idle villagers, making sure everybody's always doing something, which allows you to just transfer that to your life because you know if you have villagers that are idle in Age of Empires, you're losing productivity. 
transfer that to your life. If you're studying for school and you're not studying for school, you recognize you're just wasting your time. You're not doing anything productive. It's better to at least take one or two, you know, papers and just break it down sentence by sentence or, you know, do something. It's better to do something than doing nothing. And by having that game that I played teach me that consistently, like, okay, you always have to be doing something. That's just one little aspect. And then you have other games where you need communication to be able to get things done. Like most sports games, communication is very crucial. Same with um, esports. When you play like League of Legends or when you play uh, Rainbow Six, Call of Duty, or any other game where uh, teamwork is required, if you're not speaking in a way where people want to listen to you, if you're speaking in a way that people don't, you know, let's say respect you or anything like that, then when it's time for you to communicate effectively, it's not going to work. But once you get that down packed, then you're able to, let's say now, communicate on a podcast, able to engage in effective questions and things like that because you have already that experience in doing so elsewhere where you're talking to or also networking, talking to random strangers is something that the exposure that a lot of people don't get. Like people that don't play video games don't recognize like, you know, you could join a lobby and talk to somebody on the other side of the world. And they might have a very thick English accent and you have to like try to communicate with them and they barely speak any English. And now that you're a podcaster, it's like, oh, people that speak normal English. Oh, this is a breeze because I, I remember I played with this guy that barely knew any English and it was so hard to communicate with him. And anybody that else that speaks normal English, oh, this is going to be easy. It's like those kind of things that I, I always be telling people, like everybody that speaks bad about video games isn't seeing the positive that it is bringing in. You know, it is teaching you how to collaborate with others. It's teaching you how to communicate with others. It's teaching you how to be an effective leader or how to follow effective directions. It's asking of you to make the best of what you got. Like sometimes you might want to have five people in a game, but somebody disconnected. You got to make do with what you have. Like you just have to. And sometimes whether you're in business or as an author, you might want to have certain things in a certain way. But if you don't, you just have to live with what you have and you got to keep going. That's why whenever somebody says something bad about video games, I'd be like, did you even give it a try? Because if you did, you would think about all the amazing things. And I'd even get to the fact that, like, when you get Nintendo in the mix and you got the Switch or you got the, uh, uh, the Wii U, now it's a it's a opportunity to collaborate as a family, to have fun as a family or to have fun as a, a party. Like, I remember uh, when I had the Wii U, I had eight controllers. So whenever we had, like, a game night, I'd bring, like, all my friends over and we would just be like the last four losers would give up their controllers. And so we would have like 12 or 16 people over before COVID. You got to put that disclaimer in there before COVID pre COVID. We would have like, you know, 12, 16 people over or whatever. And then we would just be like passing the controllers around and I would never pass that because, you know, I ain't losing. <laughs> but everybody else, you know what I'm saying? They would be passing it up and it'd be such an amazing time. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, my first of all, my Wii U is still connected. Um, I, it's upstairs and um, I was playing through like the old Skylanders games, but I often think of um, video games and I connect them to like books and um, sometimes like musical theater because while they are pure enjoyment, usually they also tell like uh, or show a lesson and uh, yes. and project something to the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So let's just say 
for instance, like a theater show, like like Dear Evan Hansen, if you've ever seen that or ever heard of it. I won't like spoil too much, but basically the theme of it is like not to lie or not to go down like the rabbit hole of lies or or mm-hmm. and it teaches you something, right? Like games nowadays usually teach you something. Like the sequel to the, the first Spider-Man game, it taught not to. Uh, not to lie to your friends or not to, to like, understand your surroundings and, like, and mm-hmm. things like that. And the first game taught not to go too far with things and to know when to stop. And these these things are trying to teach, not only trying to teach a lesson, but they're mm-hmm. also for also pure enjoyment. And, and sometimes that can be the more important of the two things because mm-hmm. people are super stressed or um, just need to relax. I feel like video games can be a great out to just whatever you yes. on there life i'm sure you know something about that because i i mean everyone's probably like have like tests or just something that they and they were just like oh, i cannot do this today i'll, I'll just yeah like i need to, i need to run a, a quick league game real yep. quick i need to time manage something else i need to go to age of empires or you know i need i need to just you know go to the toxic call of duty environment <laughs> you know or the toxic lobby like let me let me just like i need somebody to just let me at it but you know, that's that's why I said, like, you know, video games, when you take it with a grain of salt and you actually think about how it's using a lot of amazing things that could teach you, whether it's a life lesson or whether it's actual skills, because there's a lot of video games that deal with, with, with Age of Empires that's dealing with e-commerce or actual commerce. You might not think about it that way, but you have to look at numbers. So with Age of Empires, you're actually learning how to do business because you have to literally manage a whole city. And if you actually are good, you might have more than one city that you might manage on on just like Age of Empires. So it could also teach you how to effectively budget your money, how to make the best use of your money, whether you're going to upgrade your money. Um, And that just translates to your current life because when you start looking at the fact that let's say you play like Madden or MLB or an NBA or any of those sports games, it gives you an exposure that you might not have had if you didn't think about doing so. Cause when you go through like the, the adventure mode and stuff like that, you start to see like what, what actual athletes go through, what trainings they got to go through, the practice that they got to go through. Like there's so many things that you can pick apart that you can learn that like this, this, I don't think there's enough time to be able to go down all the amazing things that you could get from video games and how you can take it yourself and use it in your personal life to improve yourself. Right. I was talking about Dragon City earlier where you have like food that you need to spread out to your dragons and like Mm -hmm. to like make sure that they're powerful and strong enough to fight. That could be related to like money management, right? Like, so like yeah. you get a paycheck on Friday and it's like yeah. two hundred dollars. Well, you have to know how much you you have for food, how much you have for mm-hmm. leisure, how much you have mm-hmm. for taxes, and how much you have for Dragon City. Yeah, or or, or Dragon City again. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that's something that's necessary to your actual life. And not only is that something that would most people wouldn't see in a video game, it's something that that most schools don't teach in like right. real life. They don't they don't teach you how to manage your money. They tell you how much money you have, how to count, how to how to exactly. Act. But they're not telling you, oh, well, if you get two hundred dollars, here's how much of it should go to each thing. That's something you have to mm-hmm. figure out on your own. And, exactly. And I feel like. Games, even though you might not know, can actually just really help with that. 
Yes, subconsciously, without you even realizing, it's allowing you to to recognize these kind of quote unquote patterns. And those patterns, once you once you break down the gist of the game and you recognize that it's really just a patternized game, if you can just transfer that pattern into another pattern, it allows you to be able to. It's like think about the fact that if you're like level ninety nine in a one game, you can't transfer the level ninety nine to another game, but you can transfer your level ninety nine in your brain. So that way, when you start the next game, you can already start ahead. Like if you're the expert first person shooter in one game, that means you go to another game, you're still gonna be that good. Versus if you start at level 99, you're not going to transfer at level 99. You're going to start basic. And so the concept of being good at gaming and using those skill set elsewhere is just like taking one pattern recognition and putting it elsewhere. It's just going to let you be that good everywhere else, including hopefully the classroom, too. Exactly. And obviously there have been studies about like hand-eye coordination, how good yes. video games and other things that actually are that actually do affect real life. So I I mm-hmm. think that it's actually it actually can help you. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that's something that most people overlook, you know. Yeah, too many people overlook. So what else do you see yourself doing other than comics and gaming, obviously? So right now I'm a creative content creator. Uh, so essentially, I right now have an upcoming, the second part of the book series called Bate Descending dropping on September 30th. So far, hopefully there is nothing that's going to delay it. So that I have upcoming. After that, I'm going to look at doing the audio version. Um, I'm still not too sure how I'm going to do it because I, I really want, because I, 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 the second book series is based off of my sister's point of view in the story, the chili her her upcoming and what she did and things that happened because uh, I always felt like growing up there wasn't too many like female characters that went ham like only Black Widow I think is like one of the only you know personally there could have been a bunch but I, I'm saying like in my personal opinion I felt like the only real real her and like Storm from the X-Men series were like two of like my favorite female characters that just went ham as a comic-based actor, and I didn't really see other ones doing too good. Like Mary Jane from Spider-Man doesn't really do much. So, you know, even though she's probably had so much screen time for every, for every like, comic-based movie, Mary Jane's been, like, on so much screen time, but she, she's there as, like, a mistress. Um, so I decided to create uh, Chili and try to create her story. So I'll be looking into maybe getting a female to do the voiceover, and get that situated. And then I'm Hispanic, so I like to translate my books into Spanish, so that way my Spanish side of the family gets to hear it. Uh, so then I'll be translating the books and the comic and stuff into Spanish, and then when I get the audiobook version, I'm also going to do it in Spanish too. And then I'm looking into also going about um, empowering my friends and helping them start to do their own creative or businesses and stuff like that to the point where on the nicopinkin.com website i have two of my uh, co-hosts from the argue bros they actually blog on there uh one of them just freeman he is way more creative than i am in my personal opinion so he has a ton of amazing like short stories um all pg of course uh he has a whole bunch of short stories that are really like intricate there's so many amazing stories that he comes up with, like from outer space to intergalactical to real life, almost like script written stuff. 
Um, and then my other friend, um, Fred, he has a journey about how he went from like being overweight as a gamer that who, all he cared about was gaming to then being a really productive individual. And so I feel like my job is to like help them get to a place where they're able to uh, talk about their journeys through life, their ideas, their uh, business ventures. And I have m like the most happy is when I can see my closest friends get empowered to do really amazing things. So once I have my stories done and developed into, I, I would hope maybe, maybe if, if everything goes good, maybe within five, 10 years, I might try to actually turn it into like some sort of an animation type of thing. That would be you know, another piece, but that's only like if everything goes well or according to my plan. Um, but if not, then I would go, like I mentioned, like trying to empower my closest friends, but I don't see why I wouldn't be able to. It would just require a lot of work and resources um, and being very choosy because I don't want just any random old animation, you know, just slapped together and we'll call it a day. Like if it's going to be animated, I want to make sure that it's done right. Uh, so I want to make sure that I got like the story down packed. I got the uh, the comic all at least thriving because the comics is going to take a while to get up to where the books are done because drawing every panel takes way longer than just clicking clacking or, you know, what I'm saying. And then doing animation is just like doing the, the comics plus doing like thousands of panels and, you know, doing them over and over and. I take that's expensive and it takes a lot of time and I would want to have a hands-on approach. That's why I didn't do the publishing. Like I want to have like, hey, that doesn't look good. Fix it. <laughs> like I'd I'd want to have that kind of like oversight on my story if it's going to be animated, and that's honestly what I got. I also want to have this opportunity to continue to improve every every day because the more I improve, the easier it is to make a better comic the easier it is to like make a better story and hopefully the easier it is to then like once the fourth book is done to have a great ending to the story to the series because right now there's so many ideas to end the series um and it's up for game i don't know how the series is going to end right now i only have up to the third book's outline done i have no idea how the series is ending which means i still don't know how the comic is ending either it's still just an ongoing process, but at least I'm, I'm getting there and I know exactly where I would like to go. I would just need the resources, exposure and other people's help to help me get there. Absolutely. I think that's really important to empower your friends. And I feel like Bate is going to be everything that you want it to be because I love the concept and I think that it's really good. I feel <laughs> like you. there's so many things take it and with space elements it just seems like a ton of fun especially like it seems like a ton of fun to write yes. as well and I that as long as you're enjoying it it'll work out you know mm -hmm. with that being said we're going to wrap it up so is there anything that you would like the listeners to know that i haven't already asked Man, you are a very good interviewee wherever you went to school with they did a five out of five or wherever you got these these amazing interview questions or the thirst to want to ask questions and stuff like that, like kudos to you. Uh, you've asked everything that could possibly be asked way better than what I thought would have come from somebody uh, at such an age, but you are on the right track. Uh, so no, you've done a, a fantabulous job. Your parents did great too. So don't even worry about that little hiccup of recording. That's not even anything minor. 
you know, the show goes on as you are going to learn in showbiz type of thing. So, no, you did great. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Whenever I ask this question, and I and I always ask this question, depends on the answer. But usually it's like, no, there's nothing that I want to ask you. And I always say that I feel like that means that I did a good job in asking you exactly. what you know. So with that being said, thank you so much for coming on my show. Uh, Nico, you did an incredible job. So um, thank you. Thank you once again for the invitation. Kudos to you and your whole team helping you. Nico, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I'm so glad we were able to discuss gaming, but even more importantly, your books. By writing them, you're holding on to a piece of Taino culture. For those listening, please make sure you follow Nico on all of his social media platforms. Also, by the time this airs, the next book, Batay Descending, will be out and available on Amazon along with the rest of the Batay series. So make sure you go and check that out. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Gamer Story Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, you can reach me directly at thegamestory.com. Thanks for listening.